everybody, this is Ensa. I've been busy with Shoshi's fight, Rising, uh, Landmark 5. We got a trip to Thailand, talked about the UFC fights, all kinds of stuff. So don't miss this episode. とある田舎町で生まれて移り住んだ新宿で育ちこの町で起きたこれまでの俺たちのここまでの恋たちは本の末たちの口試されたくちいち正してきた過ちただしてきた過ちたましい過ちなやつに一致の始まり放課後のト
a lot of times that'll gas a lot of fighters. So yeah, it still looked impressive, but I it just when I was watching that fight, I was like, oh, this is what Ensign told Sidario to do. <laughs> yeah, so I even told Mark Hunt that later. I said, yeah, you know, hey, I didn't, I, I wanted him to take Tafu down, but uh, he wanted to stand. And then Mark, told, Mark Hunt pretty much said, oh, that's not a good idea, man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I thought so too, you know. Well, well the good news is, I was going to say the good news is that he did live and learn, right? And it sounded, looked like you guys had a real game plan, uh, which he was following throughout this fight with Rocky. Yeah, so Rocky, as far as striking-wise, he's better than Siyoshi. As far as toughness-wise, he, he's he has that. He's already proven that he's a lot tougher than Siyoshi. I mean, Siyoshi might be tough, but he hasn't had that uh, chances to show it. Rocky has. Rocky's, Rocky's tough. Rocky will die on his shield. Um, so for me, uh, we had to get it. We had to get a strategy because toughening it out and beating Rocky on toughness or, or, or like experience was something that we weren't going to be able to do. Uh, Rocky's ground is, he has good ground too, but we figured that if Rocky's on his back, he's a lot more susceptible and, you know, sure she moves like a light, a middleweight, you know, so when, when. You know, Rocky's on his back. We knew, we knew that the movement that Siyoshi had could probably keep Rocky on his back or create him to have crazy scrambles to actually stand up, which would probably burn his gas. Yeah, and yeah, the, the biggest thing I was worried about is Rocky is tough. Rocky has a good counter punches. Uh, if we go in and, you know, strike with Rocky, I mean, of course, if Siyoshi can hit Rocky, Rocky can hit Siyoshi. So... I was really concerned about, you know, Rocky has a real solid left hook. He comes up with a real, real nice right hook, too. He does leg kicks. He's well-rounded, you know. So our thing was I noticed that Rocky had a hard time moving side to side. I'm, I don't know if it's because his weight or his, just his style. His style is that stock and hunt style. So I thought that probably moving side to side. Would be the best thing. The other thing I thought was that Rocky's so tough. I mean, if Shoshi were to start throwing down with him, Rocky would eat his shots and throw back. And I don't know if Shoshi could take Rocky's shots. So that's one thing I also didn't want to do is uh, Shoshi to stand still and throw blow for blow. I wanted him to hit and move, hit and move, and make sure his movements always side to side. So Rocky had to move laterally instead of front and back. So, I mean, I can I can have a good game plan, but I mean the the whole thing is about Sushi executing it, and that he did perfectly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's always easy to forget that Sushi's what less than ten fights. Like he's still what like two and a half years in this game, maybe three years. It's yeah, not, you got to figure most of half it, the half of most of his fights were in the beginning were all pro wrestlers. So yeah, that was more yeah. just ring experience, you know, getting in the ring and working on the jitters. But as far as uh, Actually, fight experience, um, you know, his first fight was no fight experience. It didn't help him at all. The Miyamoto-san, the one he knocked him out seven seconds, that guy had no experience either. So, you know, a lot of his fights, there were no time in the ring and there was there was no experience that could be accumulated under his belt. Yeah, no, this, I was super impressed with the, the pressure he was putting on, the you know, when he had took him down and had him on the ground, he really wasn't leaving any openings for, for Rocky to, to make a move. I always I thought that was 
something we'd never seen from Siyoshi before, seeing that top game and just kind of how he really he really owned the fight, I felt like. I saw, because some people were sort of criticizing, like, oh, he didn't get the finish. But actually, I felt like this was more valuable, him having that, like, complete control over an opponent. Well, you know, you know what it was too. Yeah, um, we wanted to. We we played a safer fight. So when even though he did rock Rocky on the standing, instead of trying to finish the standing, we had him change levels and take down. When he was on the ground, instead of making you know to 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 finish somebody on the ground, you have to make space for strikes. And when you make space, it allows the guy um, space to turn and stand up. So I had uh, Shoshi con continue putting pressure on the ground and just slow, small elbows, small fists, small knees, dropping knees into him. And the main objective wasn't to finish him. The main objective was to control him on the ground and do slow damage, punch by punch, knee by knee. Yeah, it worked really well. Um, I have to say, though, I was kind of, even though Suyoshi was doing really well, there was always that moment in me of like, oh, I hope he doesn't get overconfident because at the end of round one, he kind of sort of celebrated a little bit to the crowd, like when he got up and, and I made me think like, you know how tough your opponent is, like don't don't lose a, but he, I was impressed that he he didn't, like when he came out round two, right? like when the bell well, rang. I really made sure that that didn't happen because even in the round, I was telling him a good round, you won this one. Be careful. Roki can has that. Roki is a type of guy that sucks it up so much that no matter how tired he is, no matter how bad he's getting beaten, he can pull off that one punch knockout. Roki's a tough son of a gun. So yeah. uh, that was my biggest worry, man. You know, second round, you're doing good, but just be careful on that one, that left hook, or uh, when, you, when you come in, be careful. Rookie's always dangerous. Just keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. You know, keep moving. And then in the third round, I even knew it was going to be more dangerous because now Rookie knew he had to knock Sioshi out. So I, well, that was the most important thing is to keep that lateral movement. And when you have time, take him down. Because from the from the first two rounds when Sioshi did, you know, the first round we got lucky. Rookie fell on his own. So, you know, that that allowed us to see that, oh, Shoshi can, can't control him on the ground. The second round was Shoshi's smart movement. He he hurt, he kind of did shake Rocky a little bit on one of the punches, and instead of continuing punches, he pretended like he did change levels and took him down again, and then controlled him for the rest of that round. So, you know, the it's no it's a no-brainer, you know. You're not here to win, you're not here to get the fight of the night. You're not here to... um impress anyone you're here to stay on the game plan and and put out as much damage as you can you know if it finishes them it finishes them but the objective was not to finish rookie rookie is a tough son of a gun you're not going to finish rookie easily so yeah. we didn't want to try to do that burn his you know burn his uh stamina or make a mistake and get caught with rookie's punches so we played it safe and we we you know we, we dominated and and just kept out you know small damaging blows yeah, because that cut that Rocky received, right? I swear that looked worse than the Crocop one, <laughs> which he like, you know, in the Crocop fight where he got cut and they stopped the fight. I was thinking that cut yeah. that he got looked worse, like it was something else. <clears throat> I think it the was, cut man, I think it was way, it was way bigger than what he what Crocop had. So I mean, when he had it, when what Crocop did to him, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so 
you know, it's one of those things, you know, you don't know if it's some, some, uh, controversial thing or it's uh the, the different doctor and the doctor thought it was you know a, had a different idea on when he should stop the fight than the doctor that they used today if it was the same doctor maybe he felt it was crow cop so he could strike better and one hit could open i don't know you know you don't know what it is but yeah i, I did think so too i thought that the cut this time was way worse than what he um had he got experience in crow cops fight no, definitely. And what what was it like, sort of post-fight, pre-fight, obviously leading into this podcast, the previous ones we've done, talking about this fight, you've kind of talked about how there's a, a history between you and um, Rocky's, uh, the rest of his teammates as well. I'm just curious to know, how did it go? Did you guys get a chance to talk after the fight? Well, we, it was weird, man, because uh, I've known those guys the, like for over 20 years. But especially Melker. Melker um, was one of my training partners from 1998. So, you know, it was weird because when I saw him, it's like when I saw him at the rules meeting. It was it was pretty much for me. It wasn't like that's the enemy. It was more like, whoa, what's up? How you guys doing? You know. So it was throughout the whole fight. You know, even at the arena when when we check ring check after the ring check, we walk by each other in the hall. What's up? Good luck, brother. You know, we're shaking hands, high fiving each other. I mean. I got nothing to respect for Roki. You know, all the guys that are in the corner, Tony Barsha, all those guys that were in the corner with, with Roker were all guys that I've known for decades. So it, it was it was a nice, friendly feeling, but it was also a little bit weird to be on the other side of the ring, you know, trying to fight them. Yeah. As I could hear Melker's voice coaching Roki, and I'm telling Shoshi, okay, 15 seconds, stand up and head stomp. You know, I, I'm feeling like, Ooh. Roki, Roki's, I mean, I love Roki. Roki's an awesome guy, classy guy, tough guy. But, you know, at the time of the fight, it's like I got to say what my fighter needs to do to win. And it's a weird thing that winning, you know, to, to impose yourself at the end of the round is very good. You know, not just for Roki to feel that old Shoshi is really trying to hurt him, but the crowd to see and the judges to see. So I had Shoshi at the end of the round stand up and stomp and soccer ball kick, you know, because if Roki does grab a leg and take him down or something, it doesn't matter at the end because there's not enough time for him to capitalize on it. So it was it was weird, man. And even after the fight, after the fight was done, there was that was a better feeling because like okay, Roki, Roki's so tough. He he's still standing. He's he's not hurt. You know, Melker came up to me, goes, "Bro, dude, good strategy." You know, so. I mean, Rook even was honest about it, saying, man, this is good strategy. So, you know, it was, I don't know, it was weird, man. I mean, I I want, uh, every time Rookie fought in Rising, I always cheered for him. But this time, I was cheering for Sioshi because I was my fighter. And, I mean, I always felt like it would be a bittersweet thing that if whoever won, if Rookie won, I'm happy for the Guam boys and for Rookie. But I'm sad for Sioshi. But then the vice versa, I'm kind of bummed for Rookie them and, but happy for Shoshi. So it, it was a kind of bittersweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. But it's a bit it's a big win for Shoshi, right? I mean, there's no getting oh, around. Huge. Yeah. It, yeah. I think because of what win. he learned. He's he for real, man. What what do you think is is next? Is there any talk of what's next for Shoshi? Well, they're they're asking if he can fight in the super rising. I don't know. I guess there's an event called Super Rising. In July. Oh, the Hokkaido show. 
No, no, it's Hokkaido's in June. So there's going to be a super rising in July. I don't know if that means uh, Pacquiao is going to be fighting on that card, or. But honestly, um, is he just finished his fight pretty much end of April? So actually, beginning of May, it's like yeah. yeah so July would be depending on when in July he would have like two and a half months maybe. And personally, I'd rather you know when I was fighting, I'd like to take fights three months at least three months in between fights because i gotta take a break i gotta recalculate my re recoup myself and then recollect and then start the hard training again so i think personally so she wants to fight in august or september oh cool so still we don't, yeah yeah we have no idea who the opponent would be so um yeah i guess that's up in the air and pretty much on what rising is uh right rising rising wants and then if what they want works with what we want, and if the opponent's right, um, um, he might be fighting in July. If not, we're, we're shooting for August or September. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where, where he goes next, who he faces next. I think he'll need a little bit of time off, right? Like that, It wasn't like a, a quick fight like some of his other fights. This was a three-round fight. He's just had his baby right as well. So speaking from experience, I know how challenging that can be. <laughs> so yeah, I'm thinking of taking him to Thailand in June to do a lot little, little bit of training in Thailand. Oh nice. You're gonna swing by with us then. Yeah, yeah. Oh sweet. So he cool. might actually come at the same time. I don't know, one of his sponsors are thinking of coming too. So I mean, you know, we got our agenda. So I mean if they're gonna join us on some of the stuff, fine. But if not um, yeah. They might be doing their own thing because I, I, I know they they they're probably there for a different reason than us. You know, they're probably there to have a good time more than anything. Of course, Sushi will be training, but other than that, you know, for us, we're more we're serious guys. You know, yeah, nothing. No part hangover. Anymore. You know, hangover <laughs> two, hangover three. That's what we're filming, right? <laughs> Awesome. Um, did you manage to catch any of the rest of the event at all? Did you see any other fights or anything like that? Yes, I saw every fight except the Ota fight, the one that he knocked the guy out. Yeah, I didn't get to see that fight. You didn't see the Ota fight. That was probably one of my favorite fights. It was a brilliant knockout. Yeah, that's the fight where we were in the, I don't know what happened. We are in the back or we are something was going on. We are visiting, seeing somebody. Something was happening with us that it was like, it happened so fast. Like, oh, shit, it's over. Yeah, super quick. Kuromoto went down. It was a, a nice knockout. I uh, There was a lot of people picking Kuromoto just because of the, the uh, experience. But I think Ota, he look he looks good, man. He's He's got that Olympic experience. And, and he's had a lot of tough competition for quite a young fighter, you know. So Yeah, yeah, he has. Got a promising career ahead of him, definitely. What did you think yeah. of um, the one that blew my mind which was driving me crazy was the main event with asakura and um ushiku and i don't know if ushiku keep pulling guard like what strategy was yeah, that no. yeah i mean you wonder if he had he had something planned up his sleeve in the guard but every time he pulled guard mikuru knew what he was doing and just pretty much kept good position and of course it looks better when he's on top trying to throw down punches and the guy sitting down in the guard i noticed that too he pulled guard how many times i almost feel like the fear of the standing was too much for him 
Yeah, it was straight. I he beat reason why he'd pull guard when he's not a jiu-jitsu fighter. Yeah, and he'd be in like not it wasn't in like bad positions or anything like that. He'd be in like a good position and he pulled guard. And I mean, one, you rarely see fighters pull guard, right? But it just blew my mind why he was doing that because he wouldn't then have any success in the guard either. Mikuru would just kind of land his shots. And yeah, it was quite a frustrating fight to watch, I think, the main event. I found the rest of the card a lot more, a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, poor Rainer, man. Apparently, she's yeah, had, uh, she got knee barred, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's, I think it's quite a bad injury as well. So, who knows? Maybe uh, she might have to retire after that. But that, the yeah, first Ra- round, Raina, Raina's been real. Um, she's been real uh, inconsistent with her career. Yeah, she's already talked about retirement numerous times. So I wouldn't be surprised if this fight pretty much puts her into retirement. Maybe. Yeah, especially if it's a bad injury, right? Yeah, especially if it's a bad injury. I mean, it looked like her face is pretty swollen too. Yeah, yeah, it did. did. I mean, and, that first first round was brutal. You know, and the the thing about uh, um, she didn't go to the post uh, interview, post fight interview. So the only time fighters miss a point or point post fight interview is usually when they're in in the hospital. But yeah, yeah. I mean, she must have gone right. She was must have been pretty badly banged up. But mm-hmm. uh, and then my wife's favorite. <laughs> I roll my eyes. Ren losing, which again, I was I was kind of like a bit of a because like in the pre in the in the the confession series they showed how he'd been doing like all this karate training, and he seemed really like trying to counter the strikes, and he wasn't throwing very much at all. It was kind of. He was waiting to have the opportunity to counter, but Saito being Saito just took him down relentlessly. But uh, what, what did you think of that fight? Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty boring as far as uh, nobody really went for it. And yeah. I, I thought Saito was going to win because Saito's a much more well-rounded fighter. A lot of hype behind um, Ren, but I, I didn't think as far as experience and technique-wise... Te- 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 I thought Saito was a much better fighter. So I would have been surprised if Ren won, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it went to a, I think it was a split decision. Like someone's. Yeah. I was, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty mad. But yeah, he definitely, I think he could have maybe won some more rounds if he just thrown more. It just seemed super hesitant or trying to time the strikes or. I don't yeah, know what it was, when, but but yeah, definitely Saito won that. Um, everyone yeah. in our room too was we we asked everyone when they were watching it in the monitor, and everyone thought um, Saito won. Yeah, and we uh, I was shocked a... in fact that when they read Hiromoto Ren's name, like, whoa, is this going to be a fucking ripoff? Yeah, yeah. Everyone was just like, I saw online people like, if Ren wins, they fix the fight. <laughs> like, Sakuraba is paying judges or something like. But, yeah. Um and the, the other fight I uh enjoyed but I was hoping we'll go a different way was uh Takeda and Gustavo, right? Those guys both brought it, I thought it was a good fight, fun fight. Um but yeah, Takeda's so tough, man. You can just take those like Gustavo is like legit striker. He's obviously trained by Vandalay and you see it in his style. So but Koji Takeda, man, he's just he's he brings it every time. Right? He's yeah, always he always impressed me when we fight. 
whenever anyone fights to, to Canada, they know they're in for a hard fight because that kid is tough. Yeah, literally. So, was anyone else that sort of impressed you or any other impressions of the event? Um, I was kind of happy with Asakura Kana won. Yes. Yeah, she did really good. So, I mean, not like, I mean, I don't know May personally. I I've, I've, I know her. She knows of me probably. But um, I think it's just Asakura Kana is like the sweetest girl you ever meet. She's like the, the <laughs> little a little darling. Yeah, she's such a good-natured, good-hearted girl. You, It's hard not to cheer for her. Yeah, I mean, she was like a teenager when they signed her, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Madness. But um, no, that's good. Yeah, it was, it was an enjoyable event. I think a lot of people were disappointed by the the main event and the co-main event because they were like the two big stars and hoping that if they won impressively, we get this big sort of super fight. But so I think that put a little bit of a damper on the event. But overall, I think it was you know generally pretty fun watch. Yeah, yeah, I thought. I yeah, it was so it was a it was a real anticipated card, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was the venue like? Because it's like slap bang in the middle of Tokyo, right? Oh, it was crazy. It was like packed. It was, and and the tickets actually sold out in one minute. Wow. That's crazy. So they had to make thousands. They they made a they adjusted the arena so they made thousands more seats and they made another uh sale and it that sold out within the day. Well, what did you think of well, what do you think of CRC fighting in the cage and just just rising using the cage in general? I think that, I think the cage suits Yoshi better. Really? Wow. Yeah, I think because he he's has such good uh, pressure that he can you know it's easier for him to get take somebody down. It's easier for him to stay away, defend the takedown. I mean, we, you didn't see it in the fight, but. Um, when we're training, yeah, something like a wall or a cage would be easier to defend takedowns than a ring. Yeah, I can see that. It's one where I personally prefer watching fights in a ring because it looks nicer. <laughs> and it's better watching it live as well, right? But I can see why a lot of fighters would prefer the cage. You know, with the ring, you kind of got the, the stop, the starts. What did you prefer, Aventurous, when you were fighting? I prefer the cage because it... Brings out some type of animal animal um, instinct in you that you're in a cage. I personally nice. like 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 when you walk in the cage. Of course, for me, whether it's a ring or a cage, I I believe that's a, the area that I plan to die tonight. So, um, it, it creates that same crazy energy in me. But I guess the cage just adds a little bit of tinge to it, like putting lions in a cage. You know, you and you're about to kill each other. So I personally feel like you know fighting was not a sport for me. It was a, it was on it was like a life and death situation, and um, I think uh, something that your two people fighting to the death would probably look better in a cage. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of the aesthetics. I could see why as a fighter, it would kind of fire you up just that little bit extra, right? But. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, it was a cool event. Uh, and like I say, I, I kind of watched it in parts, but it was still a good watch. The reason I did was because I went up to Manchester. I went to a convention called For the Love of MMA, which was funny because the, it was called For love, the love, For the Love of MMA was what it was called, right? But 
there was a big pro wrestling convention going, going on in the same building. And the MMA side was was decent size, but like not that packed. Whereas the pro wrestling side, I'm not joking, you couldn't breathe. You'd walk in and it would be like, I don't know if you know many pro wrestling fans, but we're talking big people, kind of stinky. <laughs> like it was it was a it was a tight squeeze in there. But um, I saw you had a picture at Rampage and Chuck. I did. Yeah, it was funny because I I think I kind of went into it not really understanding what this was. But it was one of those conventions where you go and then if you want a picture with someone, you have to pay to get the picture. And what was funny was they were like the the woman that was sort of taking the payment when I was trying to talk to like Rampage. She was kind of like, oh, you need to buy a picture. You need to buy a picture. And Rampage is just like, ah, he's a personal friend. Come on. <laughs> and so he doesn't care. And then I'm talking to Rampage. I'm talking, and then Chuck was next to Rampage, so we started having a conversation. And then I was like, "Should we just get a picture together?" <laughs> and then you see these people coming up, like, "Have you paid for that? Have you paid for that?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Trying to use uh, use the old Ensign Pass. On, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Those sorts of situations, but no, it was good. I um, it, it was fun to like meet the fighters and stuff. And you're um, were you able to tell Chuck that you do the podcast with me? It was, yeah, and he started. Um, it was when Rampage was there as well, and they were talking about a how generous you are, which I attested. Yes, you are. And he said, whenever he sees you, you take care of everything. I was like, yes, I've experienced that. He's a super nice guy. Um, and then he was talking as well about um, training with Egan back in the day. Um, so that was kind of cool to hear about. But um, yeah, it was good to see uh, meet Chuck for the first time. Obviously, Rampage have been in Thailand. So I was asking for some, you know, some advice and tips. <laughs> okay, what was one of his tips? I gotta hear this. <laughs> his tip, his three things that I took away was everyone's high because everyone's just smoking weed out there, which I was like, okay, wow. interesting. Uh, the other one was all the women look like men. <laughs> I was like, okay, right. And the third thing was don't eat the street food. And I was like, what? I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to listen to tip three. I think I will. We'll, we'll have to dabble in some street food. But <laughs> Yeah, I guess the street food too. Yeah, I, I've eaten it before. Yeah. I think you'll be right. Street, street bugs to eat too. So if you want to eat that, you can dwell in. <laughs> it's the revenge taste <laughs> And about the girls looking like guys, I'm like, damn, Rampage, where did you go in Thailand? Man? <laughs> Make sure we don't go where Bob Sap took you. <laughs> Well, that was the funny thing. He said that like Bob Sapp is like the cheapest guy ever, and he he like wouldn't let Rampage spend his money <laughs> like he's that. Like... Oh no! Yeah, so it's that it's not like at a good time anyway. So, but it was. Oh, that's good. It looked interesting when he was doing that circus thing. Yeah. Funnily enough, um, George Saint Pierre was there as well, um, and I did have a conversation with George and I did say like oh maybe we get you on the podcast he kind of like put me in touch with his manager so I don't know how serious he was about it but he knew who you were and I think he was the said he was you're a fan I couldn't really hear him it's like a loud convention there's a lot of stuff going on but yeah we, sure you know George St. Pierre which was real funny is when he was when they had the UFC in Japan yeah um he was getting like mobbed by fans really yeah and he's such a such a gentleman when he saw me he made it a point to break away from the fans and came to shake my hand and say, "Oh man, what's up? I have a lot of respect for you." And yeah, 
I think he'd be, I, I, I said to him that I think it would be a great podcast because so they were doing seminars with some of the fighters and I got to see GSPs and I got to see Rampages and they gave you like a, a chance to ask questions. So one of the questions I asked was actually about Ryzen. Because <laughs> I, I said, do you have any interest in still competing? Maybe not in MMA, but would you be interested in doing like some, I said, maybe box Manny Pacquiao because they're the same sort of weight class. <laughs> um, oh. Or maybe do some sort of grappling with someone. And he kind of, didn't really give a complete answer. It was kind of like a, a, a yes slash no. So there might be some interest there. I think it, with him, it kind of depends on the offer. Um, but the other thing I asked him was kind of about what motivates him. And there was a lot of like similar themes to stuff that you've talked about um, on the podcast. So it'd be really cool to hear kind of you guys talk each other and see what, what tips you guys have for, for our viewers. Ooh, that would listeners. be interesting. I'd love to talk to him. Yeah. So, so yeah. So hopefully we'll uh, maybe get that one happening. Have a look out for it in the future. Uh, well, also, a... I'm going to tell you what happened to us the last week, yeah? Okay. We had okay. a fan that uh, noticed me on the street and wanted to take a picture. He called me it. on Instagram, messaged me later, said, can you come back to where we met? I have a shop there. He went there. He pulls out this uh, cloth of, of items and he opens it up and he's like, I want to give you one as a present. And I'm like, what are those? Are those diamonds in there? He goes, yes. I'm like, whoa, no, no, no. I said, this is, I can't take diamond stuff. He goes, please, I want you to have one. And I want your wife to take one too. And when me and Sarah looking at each like, holy shit, is this for real? Yes. So he gave me this, yeah. That is awesome. Wow. 30, 32 diamonds in them. Wow. Do you have any idea what the value might be for something like that? Uh, I think this is on silver. There was one on, that was on gold that, you know, I I, well, I didn't want to choose anything. I'm a more of a gold person, but I didn't want to choose anything. So I just told him to pick what he wanted. He he gave me this. And uh, when he had Sarah's, Sarah likes gold. So we went, checked on the gold stuff and the gold ones didn't fit. And it so happened the one that kind of matches, but a circular one, that one fit Sarah. The we He gave us a website because he said he only sells online. So these rings cost over two grand. Wow. <laughs> For a gift. It's so generous, and, man. And the, you know the gold ones that uh, we're looking at? Yeah. That Those were, and he was totally happy to give us one of those too. But, you know, I just took what he, he gave me and Sarah just used, uh, actually took what she fit. And the only one she fit was a silver one. But uh, the gold one was um, over nine thousand dollars. I'm not so generous. Like people, I know that's so crazy, man. So I went back the next day, made him a um, a lab diamond bracelet. You know, the Mosinite bracelet. Oh, that looked nice. Yeah, and he loved it. So he was so happy. He was so stoked. I mean, I guess not just what it is, but it was made by me. So he was yeah. super stoked about that. You know, it's. He actually ordered a bracelet the other day, so I got to drop it to, off to him tomorrow. He already what? paid for it. So, <laughs> good guy, man. Good, real nice, real, real good fan. It's great, man, when you meet good people like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had any luxury gifts like that, but I did. When I was at the MMA convention, I did pick up this. <laughs> hey, you're, you know what? Your, your picture's been frozen the whole time, you know. Oh, really? I thought you were like really good at 
you know, is it back now? Statue. Should I just no, move? you're just you're in that same position you were. I think the last twenty five minutes, maybe. Are you serious? It's like hope, like this. You're like this. I really hope it hasn't done that on the recording because I'm like moving in my picture. So if you if it's like that in the recording, then you're a ventriloquist. <laughs> It'll be audio only episode, people. <laughs> so you're probably going to have to tell me what you got because I can't see it. I you see a frozen see game. I will send you. In fact, I've got a picture of it. Let me send you a picture. So for the viewers watching, if you can see this, I bought this at the event to go on my desk. <laughs> can you oh, see what shit that is cool? <laughs> it's awesome. Someone painted it. Yeah. Joe Rogan. So so it's like a mini little painting of Joe Rogan. And the guy wow, does that's cool. He was just there doing MMA paintings. And I was like, that's awesome. And I just had to get one because it, it looks great on my desk. So it, it's it's like it's like Joe seeing a knockout or submission that he wasn't ready for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's a good, good little thing. Don't you love it? How don't you love it? How Joe Rogan is such a fan of the sport that when he, when he's working and commentating, he, he can't cover that fan side of him when he sees some crazy shit happen. Yeah. I love that, that, that realness to Joe. I know it's rare, right? Because a lot of with, well, I find this a lot with like American broadcasting. They want them to be a certain way and like present things a certain way. But actually, uh, you know, Joe is just Joe Rogan. He's just the same guy he's been for. Well, who's going to tell years. Joe what to do? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have the authenticity. But yeah, um, I appreciate you staying up late. Is there anything else you want to discuss or let people know about? Uh, nothing much. Just. Uh... Is the purchasing a tie trip was kind of weird, you know, because the reason, the big reason why we're going is to, for me to see Santian's family. So I am looking forward to it, but I'm not looking forward to it. So really weird feeling there. So we'll, we'll make sure we do a podcast on that trip. So yeah, forward to it. Yeah. Cool. Well, like and subscribe make sure you subscribe so you can see those videos coming up and please share this podcast as well and uh we will talk to again everybody soon right on i hope you enjoyed it i stayed up late avoided all the zombie attacks just to do this podcast so hope you appreciate it make sure you like subscribe and share right on